I posted a video about one of the lesser known facts about Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel ceiling in which he painted a, an insult essentially to the Pope into one of the frescoes and people loved that and it went super viral and I think it reached a million views and I was like, what's going on? Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Freddie, what is happening this week? This week we're chatting with Mary McGilvray, also known as the Iconoclast. And she is a TikToker and video essayist, and she makes videos about art. And people think, hey, TikTok is all about dance videos and music. It's not. And she's created a very successful uh, account based around art and has got a very loyal following. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Creator Generation. This week we are joined by Mary McGilvray. Mary, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. Hey, Mary, everyone knows, anyone who's listened to this podcast before, I am terrible at introducing people, so I just throw it straight to you. How about you tell me who you are, what you do, why are we talking to you? Sure, sure. Um, so my name's Mary. I am a TikToker. Specifically, I make TikToks about art history, which to a lot of people, when I first tell them that, they go, oh, that doesn't make sense. I'd didn't know you could do art history on TikTok, but you absolutely can. Um, there is a thriving art history community on TikTok. Um, and I've managed to build um, over 300,000 followers in about nine months, nine to 10 months. Um, I also occasionally make video essays on YouTube uh, and I work as a professional video editor. That may be the most concise introduction we've ever received from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> really? Most people are like, yeah. <laughs> Firstly, Ant always outsources the introduction. Um, and secondly, most of the people are caught, off, are caught a little off guard and then go into quite a, a, a ramble about what they, who they are. And what no, I do. planned this in the shower this morning first um, well, because yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't ramble. I have to know who I am, you know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. You do Very have to know good. who you are, but let's not go that deep yet. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. Too early. No, no. Yeah, it's never too early. But like, that's a like. There's so much to unpack there, which is awesome. But like, the last point you made of like you're a you work in the film industry in the in the traditional industry as a as an editor, right? Like, so maybe let's unpack that briefly. Like, what what's what does that mean? What do you do when you're doing that? Sure. Well, I, I work for a production company called Balloon Tree Productions, which is in um, Brunswick East in Melbourne. Um, and I've been editing, I mean, I've been editing since I was a teenager. That was kind of my in to media production, I guess. That was like a real passion of mine. Um, and I started doing like random freelance-ish jobs, like I mean, paid and unpaid during like my uni days. Uh, and eventually, um, yeah, like kind of by luck and chance and knowing people like landed a job um, at a production company um, where we sort of do all sorts of stuff, like everything from corporate work to TV ads, social, a lot of social media stuff. Um, and on the side from like my day-to-day -day job there, I've also worked on a lot of other random little side projects and one of them actually was my into TikTok um, last year well 2019-2020 um, I worked on a web series for TikTok that two of my good friends um, produced another friend of mine wrote um, and 
and I didn't know anything about TikTok before that job. I was just doing the edit pretty much. Uh, and I learned so much about the platform just from that. And it really kind of shifted my perspective on what I could apply my skills to. Well, before we get any, any deeper, it, that is interesting. I mean, it's funny. One thing is we still call them web series, <laughs> um, even though they're going on all these, you know, these different platforms. Um, but this is, it was a particularly interesting thing because it was one of those first series actually ever on TikTok that actually spanned over multiple episodes. It's not just, you know, like a five part series that were like, many many parts to it um and it actually ended up being really popular yeah absolutely so the series is called love songs and um they're actually making season two right now i think it's going to be released maybe next month or in the in the coming months there's going to be a second season because it was so successful um and it was made on a shoestring budget the first season it was like a five person crew a very small cast um and just me putting it together at the at the post side of things um and it's like a like a pretty much like a traditional rom-com style like maybe like a netflix rom-com that's the closest genre that i can compare it to but made specifically for the vertical format um the one minute episode format for tiktok um and yeah there were over 20 episodes i think at the end um so you know, like 20 minutes of content, essentially. Um, and it was, yeah, like a really big success and no one had really done a long form narrative piece for, for TikTok before. And it came with its own challenges. Like, how do you get people to watch multiple episodes in order of your show on TikTok, which TikTok is not necessarily designed for that? At, well, it wasn't then. Recently, they've released the playlist function, which makes it a bit easier to do that kind of thing. Um, and it also presented challenges around like fitting narrative into one minute episodes, um, which was all down to the like amazing writing and producing team. I can't take credit for any of that part of it. <laughs> what you said is like, it's interesting because most people think of TikTok as a very um, sort of an individual pursuit. You don't really have teams behind you. Like this show did have you know a production crew and it was thought out and it was scripted um and then it had to grow and build an audience um and get them to watch consecutive episodes mm. which is which in, which in itself is quite difficult but one of the hardest things is obviously creating that continuity um from episode to episode and that that lure from episode to episode that people can, can watch like you know, if they come in an episode 15 or 20 they still have to know sort of what's happening and you know be interested to go back and watch the rest and TikTok gets them sometimes as easy to go back and check the back catalogue compared to some of the other platforms. Um, so that would have been interesting, especially from a, from, a, from a point of view of an editor who has been more in the traditional space. So can you tell us, like, what was it like being a traditional editor, getting your mind around editing TikTok videos? Like, I've, I've done, I've done obviously a lot of work where you have to, like, squeeze a lot into a short amount of time like if you're cutting anything for social media it's short if you're cutting even like a tv ad you have to cram so much into such a short space of time um but there was like this added element on top of the edit for for love songs in that it was quite ambitious and that we made every episode fit to a song on tiktok because like obviously tiktok is really sound based and we wanted to like have like the the script writer like 
deliberately wrote and chose songs like chose songs and wrote to the song or vice versa so that each episode could have a trending or near trending track behind it It must have been particularly challenging i guess having no tiktok experience or was it actually a plus so you didn't have any preconceived notions going into it um i guess for me it was a plus like the creators of the show were very much like involved in the TikTok platform and they knew all the trends and knew all the songs. I had no idea what was going on at the start. Um, so it was kind of like, just make this fit, make it work. And then just a bit of experimenting with the production team on like, you know, test uploading things. Like, does this work? I don't know. <laughs> um, by the end of it though, like I felt very much like I knew how the platform worked and, um, and I knew what, like, the kind of intricacies of getting something to work on that platform if you're going to go to the effort of creating out of app, if you're going to, like, edit externally and then upload. That's one hell of a crash course on TikTok, like, diving headfirst <laughs> yeah. in. Like, is that something when you reflect on it, that, that, like, maybe not to the degree that you guys went to, but is that something that... You, we would recommend for other other people who are curious about TikTok but not on there. Just to just you got to get your hands dirty. You got to get in there to understand it. I don't do that by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, it was just like honestly, like just having that team like teach me things um, and their kind of enthusiasm for the platform like rubbed off on me. I should probably drop their names. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's like Michelle Melky um, and Hayley Adams and Elise Adams um, were the team behind Love Songs. Um, and they've gone on to like make, yeah, season two of Love Songs and like other content for TikTok as well, other narrative content. Um, and yeah, they're really cut, like they've really carved out a really cool space for themselves. Um, doing narrative content on TikTok. But like in terms of like how to like learn how to do TikTok, I think like that was like they they knew what they wanted to do and they were like, this is going to work. We're going to make this work. Um, that wasn't really up to me. Like it was when I started my own page that my own TikTok that I had to learn kind of again from the start how to do TikTok because um, I was doing a very different type of type of thing to a narrative series. I'm like, I'm doing educational edutainment content um, and it's me in it. And I edit often in app. It's a very different kettle of fish. It's, I mean, today we're talking obviously about being niche or specific on TikTok. And most people think that that's super hard to do because most of the videos you see from creators um, do tend to have a lot of variety um, but like most of the platforms, when creators are specific um, or they're focused, they tend to, you know, pull a pretty engaged audience. Um, and, you know, Love Songs was, I guess, in itself, it was a specific web series, a, web ser a specific series um, based around, you know, the, the story. And that's already a very hard thing to do. And that worked, right? And, you know, there were, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans and it did really well as a second season um, and there are other things happening from that. And that's really good. And I'd recommend anyone check it out because it is always good to see this new type of content. Um, but then you went on to do something again, even more niche in, in your own area. Yeah. Well, I, 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 should I tell the story of how I started making my own content? Yeah, tell the story. We, we, we want, we want to. Right, right. I guess like TikTok was on my radar from doing love songs. Um, and I like enjoyed like watching TikTok. Um, and then of course, um, 
2020 happened and <laughs> I found myself yeah in lockdown working from home um with my study plans to continue um with my art history studies delayed indefinitely uh, <laughs> due to travel restrictions um and I can't remember exactly how it happened but I think I just said to to my friends um I was like I think I'm gonna like make some TikToks about like history and art history. I just like started tooling around and making some content. Um, and uh, yeah, my friends who, who, who made love songs were so, so supportive. They kind of just like pushed me. They were like, this makes sense. You're an editor and you know about art history. Just like, just make some stuff. Like you can make content just do it um and they kind of pushed me to stop thinking of tiktok as like just like a fun fun kind of joking around type thing they were like you should make this seriously um and it took like quite a few months to like get anywhere and like get any good at doing tiktok actually before we started this um this recording i was like looking back at like some of my earlier tiktoks from like mid last year um and like just noticing how different my presentation style was like I didn't have a presentation style I don't know what I was doing I've never like presented before in my life um I didn't have didn't have a presentation style I didn't have like an aesthetic I didn't have like structure that I was like consistently going back to I was just like trying things out um and then eventually uh I sort of my account kicked off a little bit when the like um, was, I think it was the medieval TikTok trend happened and like oh maybe it was like September last year or maybe October I'm not sure um, there was a whole trend of people making jokes about medieval period and I think it had something to do with the like COVID plague times type. <laughs> mentality like people were seeing some sort of connection there that's my theory anyway but there was this whole medieval tiktok trend and i was able to jump on that a little bit with some jokes about medieval art and stuff like that um and that helped a little bit but things didn't really kick off until um i posted a video about one of the sort of lesser known facts about michelangelo's sistine chapel ceiling in which he painted a an insult essentially to the Pope into one of the frescoes and people loved that. And it went super viral. Like I hadn't ever seen views like that before in any of my videos. And I think it reached a million views and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I have no idea why people are so fascinated with this, like one little like tidbit fact, but that's the nature of TikTok. Sometimes things just blow up. People do love these like little tidbits, like that you know whether mm. it's historical or um, or otherwise. Like you know, it, they love these little curious moments, um, and whether they come from history or, or contemporary culture, and whether that's like a really badass dance move in the traditional <laughs> traditional stereotypical, I guess TikTok or um, in art history TikTok. I think there's there must be something in that right that, that you, you tapped into with that that video yeah totally i think especially like last year on tiktok there was like a rise in uh like educational type content um and in the kind of history humanities area 
a big kind of foundation of that was the kind of fun fact video format of like here's something that you wouldn't know and often like the it's about sort of sharing the same fun facts that people have known for a long time but kids like you know zoomers on tiktok um haven't heard before because they're like they're teenagers and they're still learning about the world so sometimes you come across stuff and you're like oh i already knew that but you know not everyone is lucky enough to have a university education in history or art history um or not everyone's you know been on the planet long enough to like pick stuff up so if 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 the kids aren't the kids I'm not that old, but if the kids, if the kids aren't, you know, watching BBC history documentaries anymore, or like even watching the news or current affairs shows or like picking up on stuff on public television, because they don't really do that anymore. If they're not doing that, and especially when they're not like, you know, kids weren't in school a lot last year either, there's such a like gaping hole in like you know, potential for them to learn things and like be curious about things and find out things. And I think that's like really where history and our history TikTok like took off because there's an innate curiosity in young people to like know more about the world and know more about history. You say young, how old is your audience? <laughs> I don't know how old my audience is. That's <laughs> one of the um, difficulties with TikTok uh analytics is that they don't tell you how the age demographics of your audience um, i know gender i know my audience is about 80 percent female which is unsurprising um but i don't know how old they are i do know oh. from the occasional time i've like specifically asked them to tell me who they are like i've, I've made a couple of tiktoks saying who are you please comment and tell me like why you're interested in my content I'd like to like get to know you and of course out of it's, it's the people who comment of course that I know there's a lot of silent watches but um I have a lot of high school students like and uni students as well um who are studying adjacent-ish topics or they're really interested in they love they love art class or they love history class or whatever um and on top of that I just also have I have a lot of older people on TikTok as well who mm. comment. Um, I don't know whether they're a louder minority or. Were, were you are you surprised by any of this? Like, I know you went, oh, like I like the platform. You've got this really supportive crew of people who understand the platform. And you've got like this passion that you want to share of your own. But were you like, were you, what were you expecting? Was it, were you expecting to create connection with a whole, like hundreds of thousands of millions of people or were you just like, what, what were you hoping or thinking would happen? I honestly don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> um, I think like, I think it was like my friends who kind of, they believed in me a lot more than I believed in myself, like to, to be successful. I don't know what they saw in my shitty early content they were like this is gonna work i like looking back on it i wouldn't have guessed um, but uh, i think like it was really exciting for me in the early stages to like actually make friends on tiktok with people that like i've been against my own will uh out of university for almost two years now and i've been trying to get back um and i really miss like like 
sort of collegiate type um, relationships and meeting people and talking about shared interests. I don't have a lot of like real life art history or history friends. I mainly just talk to my mum about this stuff. So like meeting like other art history TikTokers was like the first thing that I was like driven to do in a lot of ways and like building like a community of actual like friends that like we chat out of app like we have group whatsapps and we discuss how our channels are going and how our content is going and fun things that we see in the media about art history like that was like what i kind of wanted at the start like that's what i was like going after um Mm. and then i realized like as i was like figuring out how to make my content better like i think i'm i'm one of my skills is that i'm good at learning from doing things so the more i did it and at one point during lockdown i was making three tiktoks every day like publishing three a day which is a a lot and so i just got a lot better at it very very quickly essentially um and from then i was like oh this could be really useful for not just like what i'm doing right now um not just like to have tiktok followers but for my future career goals within academia, within the history and art history field, like I really want, I've always wanted to be a history and art history communicator. Um, And I was able to sort of kickstart that, like sort of insanely kickstart it, like in a huge way um, through TikTok. Well, I want to talk about sort of the trajectory of where this is going, but I just want to go back to, the area and obviously you're in art history um and like we said before a lot of tiktok a lot of people who make tiktok are, are, are sort of very broad and generally entertaining um in what they do like you know they want to they'll do anything but your specific a house but a how specific is maybe too specific are you do you find you have enough of an audience in, in that area yeah that's like one of the trickiest bits to balance i think on like in a niche-ish area on TikTok. Um, I started out making content that was like directly related to my personally very niche art history interests. So like my like my personal interest, my personal, personal specialty, I guess, in art history is early Italian Renaissance frescoes. Very niche. <laughs> There's a window of like 100 years. It's one medium. It's found in one part of the world. No one knows anything about this stuff. Um, and like other random bits of interest that I had, like mainly, I was mainly talking about like late medieval and early Renaissance European stuff, making jokes. Some people really liked it. Like the people who found it and were like, oh my God, I also love this stuff. We're like, this is the weirdest, nichest joke about Giorgio Vasari that I've ever heard. I love it, but that's not really mass appeal. Like that doesn't get you many views um, well, or ten many of you shares really. loving it though like it yeah well like a... <laughs> tiktok thrives off shares right so you have to have something that is going to make people want to share it with their friends and if if these other 10 weirdos out there who really love that particular niche like i do they don't have if they're like me they don't have friends to share this with <laughs> so <laughs> they don't have people that will understand it outside of you know their little study area so i think um i you know the the tip for tiktokers is always like find a niche like make a niche for yourself but i had to like unniche myself in a lot of ways (laughs) purely i think that's also just like a personal thing like i'm a very like like i like very specific things 
Um, I've never been good at pop culture. I, my friends say I live under a rock. Like I don't watch all the movies. Like I don't, haven't seen the movies that people have seen. I don't know the music that people talk about. Um, so I had to like force myself to like, be like, okay, what is actually going on in the world that people are interested in? How could I tie in my interest in art history to real things that are happening around me, to politics, to pop culture? I started a series called, uh, uh, it was about art history in Harry Potter films, like in the production design. Mm. And that did fairly well, like in my early couple of months on TikTok. Um, so like, yeah, finding a way to like get people into art history or like people who are like slightly already interested in it but to get them into it through a lens that they already understand and for me i had to get broader um and start talking about areas of art history that i'm not an expert in or that i'm not particularly drawn to myself like picasso it was a big draw card as people now know me as the girl who hates Picasso on TikTok, <laughs> even though I've never spent a lot of time before TikTok thinking about Picasso. So, I mean, you, you're still specific, but you're just making it more, you're making art history generally more accessible in, in, in what you do. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So accessible and like, like I know that this word is overused, but relatable, like what, mm. why should it matter? to the people who watch my content. Like I try and think about that. Like why, why should they care? Like I really want people to care about history and visual culture, but like you have to figure out like a way to convince them that it's important for them to care about it. And is it possible though in, in the minute you have on TikTok videos to be educational enough or do you, do you have to go back to generally being entertaining more than really educational or is, you know, are you a bit of both? I think, I mean, it's a bit of both. Like some of my content is just silly uh, <laughs> because it's fun. Um, and then other other bits of my content are like fully researched and like I've triple fact checked stuff because people will do that if you get it wrong. <laughs> I've also like been watching since, since last year on TikTok in sort of educational TikTok areas, um, there's been a bit of a shift in like, what people expect from the entertainment education zone uh, in that the kind of fun fact type videos are, are kind of, there's like a, maybe a bit of oversaturation of them in the marketplace of TikTok. Um, and now when people want to learn and be entertained on TikTok, they tend to gravitate more to how to's like mm. tutorials or like, videos that give you information but information that you can use that's to your advantage um so that's why i started a, a sort of series of videos uh recently that's about how to recognize certain art periods um and so it's still like silly and funny like it's basically just a series of gags about what art history what what art artworks look like you know saying that cubism looks like your tupperware drawer that's how you know it's a cubist painting um but people really seem to like really like that content not only because it's funny and entertaining but also because there's a part of them that goes i want to be able to go to an art gallery and know what i'm looking at and this is a tool for me awesome um does this then do you think this will change the lens how you look through when you can do or do get back to university study like 
we changed the lens of like you're sitting in the lecture going, well, we could cover this in a minute, mate. Like, um, let's, let's get your skates on. Like, you know, like will that change the lens of the type of education, like experience that you, you'd want or other people might want in the future? That's a really good question. I think if there's any university lecturers listening, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're really like, I think that it's hard to like hold people's attention and like university lectures, like I, don't, like, I mean, I don't know about the university sphere outside of Australia, but there's definitely an issue with people not really paying attention in lectures um, in, you know, in the arts field in particular, especially when you're not going to be like, you don't have an exam on it. It's not like maybe in the <laughs> science field where you have to like make sure you've got all the information so that you can learn it so that you can reproduce it in an exam. Um, but in the arts field, people don't tend to take lectures very seriously. Um, and it is hard, like people have short attention spans. It's hard to like keep people's attention for, you know, an hour, two hour, three hour long lecture. Um, and one thing that like I would really like to be able to do in future is, is help uh, educational institutions and like um, gallery and museum institutions to work on that kind of communication, um, those skills and like think about other ways to communicate academic ideas and like concepts because it's like academia is notoriously slow in mm. in making any change um, in any direction. And uh, while there are certain things that need to stay slow and rigorous, you know, in order to maintain integrity and in order to maintain, um, in order to maintain, uh, you know, good research principles, good analytic, analytical principles, um, public communication, I think for, for the sort of arts culture area, um, in particular, like needs to like pick up the pace, <laughs> like get a bit more interesting, get a bit more, like a little bit more fun. Um, and yeah, be updated. And what then is next for you? Where will all this lead? It's a really good question. Um, <laughs> Look, the reason I ask this is because a lot of people, when they enter these platforms, um, they're like, Oh yeah, I really want to do this. And I want to do this full time. And I'm like, okay, but like, what's the, like, what is it at the end? Do you want to be famous, which is a terrible way to, to, to approach it? Do you want to have, you know, make money, build a career? But I think when most people think about it, it's like they're, they're talking and sharing, um, talking about and sharing things they love um, and that spurs on content. But obviously there has to be a long-term purpose. If it's if it's a hobby, mm. that's great. But, you know, creators of, of your size who have, you know, really good upward trajectory, where are you going to go with it? Yeah, well, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Um, and I think like since since being able to build a pl platform on TikTok, I've realized that like my kind of dream of, of doing uh, public communication for the history and visual culture field is a lot closer than I thought it would be. Like I thought that... Uh, that kind of career trajectory would be uh, really far down the line, but I was able to kind of, yeah, kickstart it a lot sooner than I expected. Um, I, I really, I've always wanted, and I still do want to 
and I'm not saying this in the, I want to be famous, but I want to do, I want to do the, the, I want to have the role in the media that a lot of my like favorite, um, TV presenters that I used to watch a lot as a teenager had. So historians like Mary Beard, who did the, I don't know, maybe Ant, you're familiar with Mary Beard, did the ancient Roman, um, TV series. She's a... You should look her up. I'll look her up. I have no idea. I'm ready for nerd out on that, though. Sounds great. She's great. She's a BBC presenter um, and author and also an academic. She works at Cambridge. I don't think that by the time I get to that stage, or even now, I don't think that that role, the BBC history presenter, is going to be around for much longer. Or it's not going to be relevant. Or it's just not going to be interesting to gen z um so i don't really know i can't say where i want to be because i don't think that exists yet but i want to be the new version of that i want to have that kind of reach um but it's going to have to be you know online updated for you know the internet (laughs) it can't just be we can't just be relying on the bbc or the abc necessarily to produce content off their own back that's going to educate and inspire people to be interested in history it's not like we've got to we've got to think about new ways to present that and that's what i want to do and look and clearly like things like tiktok um and what you're doing on it are new ways to present that so i guess based on that do you have any top tips for people being specific like obviously you talked about you know make it accessible being relatable is there anything else you'd say if you wanted to go niche specific what you should do my first tip would be that if you're going to have a niche it should be kind of obvious to you what your niche should be because it needs to be something that you actually like engage a lot with already that you already know a lot about that you're actually passionate about you can't really just like shop around for a niche and to, I mean, maybe you can, but it, I feel like that'd be an uphill battle. Like it should be something that you already are like, it should just make sense. Like when my friend said to me, like, you're an editor and you know a lot about art history. This makes sense. You should be an art history TikToker. Just like this totally makes sense. Like that's what it should feel like, I think, because otherwise I feel like it'd be really hard to sustain a niche for like a long period of time and to like, commit to it to like build up an audience you also have to like like your audience (laughs) like i love art history nerds like i love them and so i want to make content for them i want to make content that like they think is funny and interesting um if you are picking a niche out of nowhere or it's something that you don't know a lot about then you don't know that audience like the audience kind of has to be you in a lot of ways um and like flowing on from that my second tip on tiktok specifically would be to find people in that in a similar or adjacent niche to you already and connect with them and engage with their content like you can't really be in a niche by yourself um it doesn't it doesn't really work and i don't know whether it's my kind of um whether you know whether this is just in my head but i feel like the algorithm and the connections that you make on the app helps your account. Like the more you engage with the right type of content that's similar to yours or, you know, has the same audience that you're trying to reach, 
this could be completely false. I don't know how the TikTok algorithm works, but I feel like that was what put me in the right side of TikTok, the right algorithm of TikTok to reach those people. Spot on. That's a that's a that's a good summary, actually. And I think you are actually uh, right, probably more more than you realise. You know, being specific, but you know, focusing on things you actually love because it's so much easier to, to talk about them and be interested and engaging. And you know, it's a it's a platform that rewards authenticity because the audience can see that. So if you genuinely love something, they can they can see that. And like you said, your your fans, um, your art history nerds, they they see the the love you have and and, and they can share that. But Ant, I have realised just looking at the time. We are nearly out of time, but before we finish, Anne always likes to do this one little segment. Yeah, totally. So every every time we get to do one of these lovely podcasts, every week we ask our guests, where have we gone in the rabbit hole that is the internet? And I like to know where these deep, dark, wonderful, interesting, sometimes scary places have you been that the rabbit hole of the internet has taken you? So many places, <laughs> so many. <laughs> um, recently, the most recent strange end of the internet I went to, ventured to, was um, uh, some very, very bizarre train forums. Uh, one of my <laughs> like side passions, I love public transport and not in like a weird train spotter kind of way, but just like... <laughs> In like a, I love communal access to services. Um, I love the public aspect and I think trains are dope. Um, but I was recently, Sorry, I was I recently trying to, it's, it's, you're allowed to laugh. It's funny. I was recently trying to find a seating plan for a rail, uh, like a train um, and a rail line that I'm going on in a couple of weeks between the one between Sydney and Canberra. I'm outing myself as a massive weirdo right mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what the seating arrangements were like on this train and I couldn't find like the, the website doesn't have like the transport website doesn't have any seating maps. And I ended up on a forum. I kid you not, it was from 2007. Uh, it's very strange train forum where people had like posted um, what looked like the you know, um, design sketches from the designer of the train as to where the seats were and the numbering of the seats. And I was like, right, okay, now I know. And that, that was when I had to take a really like long, hard look at myself and and think, (laughs) (laughs) did I need to, did I need to end up on this train forum? It was like, you know, 10 o'clock at night and I'm just sitting there like looking through comments from January, 2007, uh, that's probably the strangest. Yeah. Oh gosh. How about you, Ant? What, what have you been doing? Mine is nowhere near as strange and wonderful as interesting as that. But I watched I watched Everest on Netflix, which is like a it's not a very good movie about a oh. nineteen ninety six disaster of climbing Everest. It went it went bad, very bad. Like thirteen or something people died. But then I. I, it sort of sparked a, a thing that about something I read many years ago and I went back down into the depths of all of these recounts of people climbing Everest and for some reason I ended up on a rabbit hole on, I think it was Friday night, just gone for many, like Say. I had no, in, no intention of even looking at it and about four hours had passed and I'd read so many different articles that people had written about 
Everest and then the trash on Everest and then I went down like found this group of Sherpa who are now spending every climbing season trying to get the trash off Everest because there's tons and tons of the stuff left up there as well as dozens of dead bodies so it's a weird one um not quite as entertaining but there's some sort of mountaineering bug in the back of my mind obviously and um it went yeah fred's probably gone somewhere much more sane um i've actually gone down a uh, a chicken teriyaki rabbit hole in, on, on on youtube trying to find the perfect chicken teriyaki recipe which is ironic because at the moment i'm on a pretty strict diet where i'm not eating very much so i think that's what prompted me to look at things i really like <laughs> i want to figure out how to make them really well and i think i found a, a really good recipe which is what i'm pretty impressed with um mm-hmm. but yes I'm, I'm looking forward to, to trying that but it it was one of those weird obsessive things where i'm like i need to find this i need to find this and then i went after it good good to know <laughs> mary thank you so much for joining us that's really fascinating I, I, you know you're into art. You love it. You've made a um, well a TikTok account about it, and it's hugely popular. So congratulations on that. Really keen to see where that goes in the future. So make sure you update us. But thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, yeah, we'll see everybody very soon. Thanks, Thank man. you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking. We created generations. We the mic.